What's up guys? It's a great day. This is Fuquan Bilal and we are back with another great episode of the PFREI podcast series. We interview experts in the real estate business in order to provide you with some of the best investment strategies and techniques used by leading fund managers, financiers, house flippers, and more. We appreciate every single one of you for taking the time to press play on the podcast and hope you enjoy this new episode. All right, guys, we're back again with another great episode of PFREI. I'm your host, Fuquan Bilal. Today, we have Brock Mogison. Now, today, we're actually going to switch it up a little bit. Um, you know, we had a few guests on for a while, and we covered we covered a lot. Uh, you know, today, we're going to uh, really try to dive deep into what's happening now in the current situation we're in, and we're going to see uh, where Brock is at and, and what he's doing and what he's up to. Now, Brock, I'm gonna let you tell a little bit about your background. You know, he's from Smart Asset Capital. Talk a little bit about your background, share with our viewers, you know, what is it exactly you're doing in real estate realm and then we'll get started from there. Absolutely, yeah, uh, thanks for having me. So yeah, as far as background, I essentially, I've been in real estate now for a little over two years. Um, probably a year prior to that, I started the ed- education process about two years ago when I did my first deal and that was a duplex, which I started with the house hacking model. So I did that, um, moved in there and it really kind of just showed me, you know, the components of real estate, how cash flow works and just kind of really got me interested in it. So from there, I kind of decided, you know, spent some time deciding which path in real estate I wanted to go down. You know, there's a million different paths you can go down in real estate and that's one of the reasons I love it. But um, I ended up choosing syndication. And once I chose that path, I took the next six months or so and really just learned the, the process of it and chose specifically to become affluent in the underwriting section of, um, of the, whole, the whole deal. So um, from there, you know, I spent the next six months learning that. After that, I went out and found partners um, that I, I'd say kind of lacked maybe in that realm of the analysis side. So once I did that, partnered up with them and we were able to, they had more experience. So instantly we were able to kind of do some larger deals. Uh, we bought an 89 unit deal shortly after that. Um, and then more recently we, we purchased an office building in a strip mall under smart asset capital. So that was about a year's time frame there. Um, and it, it, it's been good. I, that's really kind of the real estate background I've had so far. So it hasn't been anything too long. It's been about two years for me. Now, the, the one question I always ask my guests is why are you passionate for real estate investing? You know, some people, you know, get in it and they they see people making money and it's, you know, all glitz and glamour, then they get in and see, you know, it's it's real work. So why are you passionate for real estate investing? I, I really just think the model works, um, the cash flow model. I, I, think it, I think it's just a strong model. And there's just so many components. It's tried and tried and tested. So I think really what attracted me to it was the ability obviously, yeah, it takes a lot of work, but having that long-term goal of one day, you build up enough assets and they, you know, you build up the right systems and they essentially can almost run on themselves, you know, far into the future. Obviously you're always going to be involved to make sure everything's running correctly. But I just love that there's so many different ways to plug systems into real estate. And, you know, just going back to the, how much different ways there are to make money off real estate really is what attracted to me. Yeah. I wanted to switch it up with the guests I was interviewing. Um, You're pretty new in the space. Uh, so you haven't been market cycle tested yet. This is your first recession. So I wanted to kind of get 
uh, the point of view from someone who's new. A lot of guests that's on the show, they've been in the space for 20 years, 10 years. Myself, I was, I've been in the business for 20 years. I've been through 2008 through 9-11 um, and learned a few things there and still learning things now in this current COVID-19 situation. You, you started off, you know, doing syndications, doing multifamilies. Now, you know, that sector is being hit pretty hard. You know, some people are, are saying they're having success with the rental collections. Some people are upfront and really uh, talking about the challenges that they're having. How is that affecting you? And, and what are you doing to pivot, um, you know, in this current situation? Because if you just started a couple of years ago, the market was at the peak, you know, two years ago. So you got in during the peak of the market. Um, you know, put a syndication together, got a few deals. You mentioned that you have, um, you know, commercial, which is being crushed right now, you know, the re retail business. So how is that affecting you? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. So yeah, you're totally right. I mean, I got in at, you know, maybe not the best time, obviously, right? And um, we, so we actually talked about unlucky timing. We bought, we bought a strip mall in uh, early February, so really before all this stuff hit. So yeah, I mean, we're, I'm definitely, you know, we're pivoting our model quickly. I think going back to really, I'm always conservative on underwriting. So we made sure we're buying at the right price. So we never really overpaid for anything. And the numbers are right um, where our break-even occupancy can still withhand, uh, you know, handle a lot. So kind of heading into this now, um, surprisingly, actually, our office building and strip mall collections are doing better than our, our apartments. So that's kind of backwards compared to all the national data. Um, but really how we're pivoting into this is just constant communication, I think, is the main thing. So I'll kind of talk more specifically about the apartment building. Um, so we're, we're, we're talking with our, we're talking with our onsite property management team every other day, pretty much always making sure that they have the tools they need to whatever that's gonna help them the most get rent collected. So whether that be putting them in contact with different programs in the area that are going to help with rent collection or offer, offer, um, you know, loans or, or rent assistance, um, we're, we're making sure that our onsite is completely trained on setting people up with unemployment and everything. And that's really helped. Uh, we have a great onsite team. That's, that's, you know, super important in these times to make sure they're competent enough to go in and, and do what they need to do. So I'd say there hasn't been anything out of the box that we've, that we've done compared to all the other operators. Um, but really I think the main thing could just be summarized in constant communication with, with the team. Have you guys stopped paying your investors? Most of the syndications and funds, they kind of, they're increasing uh, liquidity and building reserves. They're not doing any distributions. Even Grant Cardone, the biggest guy out there is, you know, following the same suit. I was on a call with a bunch of fund managers and that was, you know, that was the talk, you know, let's build uh, reserves, increase liquidity, no distributions for Q, uh, you know, Q2 and three. And we'll see what happens, you know, during Q4 or whatever. Um, or if they're paying a PREF for some people who wanted to get paid a PREF, they, you know, it's a mixture of different things going. What, what have you guys done? How, how have you pivoted when it comes to that? Yeah, so we pretty much told our investors, um, you know, for Q2, don't expect anything. And then we'll kind of reevaluate in Q3 and Q4. Um, and they, they, everyone understands, right? I mean, no, one, no one's getting paid. You're not making money really on any investments right now. And let, you know, beside a specific few, um, so yeah, we, we, we were straight up, straight up with our investors right there and they all understood. Um, so I think really our plan is we're going to, you know, go through Q2. We'll see how Q3 and Q4 go on, but I wouldn't be surprised if we just withhold distributions for the rest of the year and just continue to stack up those reserves. Cause I think with an unknown future, no one really knows where this is going to be six months from now. 
I'd rather go into it with a stronger reserves. Um, and then if we get to that point where stuff rebounds, then we can just pay out those reserves. No, you know, no harm. So that, that's kind of our, our look on it is let's just continue to build up reserves, not pay anything out right now and then reevaluate as time goes on. Yeah. The only thing that sucks about that, uh, cause I was talking to my SEC attorney about that and you have to update your documents, uh, you know, that you, you have to disclose if you do a new syndication that, you know, you didn't pay investors because usually it has language in there, you know, investors got paid, investors didn't get paid. So that's the only thing that sucks about it. But I pretty much, I think everybody would understand because that's the lay of the land. Everyone is doing that. So during this time is like, you know, you know, if you got a late, somebody, a homeowner, somebody got a late on their, their mortgage and they try to refinance and it was during this time, they'll, they'll get it. They'll understand it. But it's, um, what do you see? Are you really looking to see if there's going to be opportunities that's going to come out of people who are over leveraged and looking to get liquidity and sell. Um, and if they are over leveraged, how do you get that at a discount? Because if, if they pay too much for it, they still owe the bank. So, you know, how do you, how do you get that product? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, my take on it is, so we actually, we actually had a deal under contract right when all this hit. Um, and we luckily were at the point where we could still pull out of it and not lose anything. So we did, just because you know we we weren't 100 positive on it with what's what's going on right now because it had a good retail component to it, um, so that doesn't directly answer the question. But kind of you know shifting from there, I, I think I really think kind of Q3 Q4 is when deals might start popping up. I think it's too soon right now. I, I'm just speaking from what I've been seeing. I haven't seen anything. I'm still seeing deals kind of trade at prices they were you know two months ago, which I don't really think makes sense given the the risk that's in there now, especially with the lending markets, all the, all the requirements they have, it's really hard to make a deal work when you start factoring in 12 months of, you know, reserve payments that all the lenders are pretty much requiring right now. So I'm kind of my take on it and our take on it is we're just telling investors to kind of, you know, be ready, keep cash ready and kind of look for more opportunities a few months down the road coming into the fall is kind of my take on it. We're still looking at deals, but we're only going to kind of put one on our contract right now if, if, it, if it's a, you know, a real home run. Um, more so looking to wait a few months and kind of reevaluate as, stuff to, as time goes on. So what's up with the tenants? Let's dig into that a little bit. What's your, what's your collection looking like for, you know, the last, uh, the end of Q1 and then going into now, uh, you know, May. Like we've seen, we've seen a dip month by month. And just wonder what June is going to be like. You know, May is not over yet, but we already have some late payers and some stuff like that. Uh, we had 85% collection last month. Um, so far, we have about 70% collection. It's still early. Um, you know, people are paying late. Some people payments are doing the 15th, the first and the 15th. So we'll see what happens. What, what are you guys seeing? Yeah, so the, the months prior to April, we were at around 98% collect, just to give an idea. April, we were at for that. I'm just talking about this one apartment building right now. I'm not not considering the the other assets. We were at 87% in April, um, so we did see a dip there. May so far, just looking at it, we're kind of on par with April. If you look at what what date is this month compared to last month, um, so I, I I'm, I'm hoping it, it kind of stays the same. I wouldn't be surprised if we see you know a few percentage points lower in May. But so far, it, it's kind of trending in the same direction as April. 
So I don't want to speak too soon because I'm really hoping that we either beat April or stay in that same ballpark. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. <laughs> what, what have you learned from this whole thing? I mean, it's it's your first down to down downturn. What processes are you putting in place to kind of protect you from um, you know going going through this again? Like, what, what would you have if you had the the crystal ball and you can see this? What would you have done differently before this pandemic to kind of insulate yourself from being affected? You know, how would you have underwrite, underwrote the deal different or, you know, would you still be in the same asset class? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, so maybe first off, I mean, we, so I think every, you know, and most people were doing this and there might've been a few people that were smarter that weren't doing it. Uh, or maybe just not leveraging quite as much. We did 80% LTV on, on this deal. And it seems like that was kind of common um, for most people to do. I think going forward, I'm going to look more at, you know, 70, 75%, 70% LTV, um, just, to, you know, your little, little less leverage there. And also I, I won't say that we're going to, you know, get rid of the, the C class type deals in the future, but I really like to kind of stay. So that apartment building is C class, right? And that's obviously they're getting hit much more than the B and A class right now. I'm um, just given the tenant base. So going forward, I would really like to focus more on that, that B class, even B plus. Um, it just seems like, you know, something like this, it might not be as affected as much. And they're more insulated from a lot of the different stuff that can happen with the economy. That's awesome. And what can you tell someone new who's, who's looking to get started? Like there's been a lot of people going to seminars, learning how to do multifamily, um, who was eager and excited to get in and then boom, COVID-19 hit. So, I mean, it's still, you know, keep the faith and, and keep going. Like I love real estate. I'm passionate for it. What, what can you share with someone who is, who maybe just getting started? Like what, what, what inspired you like, you know, to do what you do? Yeah. So, I mean, so what I, what I usually tell people when they want to, especially if they're looking more so to go, you know, bigger and, and, you know, either it's a syndication route or looking to partner and go on bigger deals. I always tell people instead of when you're just learning it, don't obviously you have to understand the different components of it, but don't try to become an expert in the whole subject of it. Cause there's a million different things that goes into these big deals. I tell everyone to pick one specific piece of, of, of the puzzle. For me, that was the underwriting. Some people it could be the asset management or raising capital, whatever piece you decide to choose and really just become affluent in that piece and then plug in with other operators and investors that are strong in the other parts. And you combine, you combine everyone together and you got the whole puzzle. So that's, that's kind of the outlook I, I took. And then obviously now I'm learning the other pieces of the puzzle and try to become, you know, fluent in the whole thing, but it really takes some time. Obviously, you know, speaking to someone like yourself and doing it for 20 years, I can, I can learn a lot from someone like yourself, you know, being new. So, but that, that's kind of what I tell people is just become an expert in one piece at first. That's awesome. That's awesome. I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Another great episode of PFREI. I'm your host, Fuquan Bilal. You can catch us on all the social media channels. Instagram, Facebook, and all that good stuff, iTunes. Thanks a lot, Brock. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot. Have a great day. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Passion for Real Estate Investments podcast. Looking forward to providing you guys with more testimonials from successful real estate investors. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at a passion, the number four, REI. Thanks so much, guys. And until next time, it's a great day.